0: Hello, everyone. It's Eves, checking in here to let you know that you're going to be hearing two different events in history in this episode, one from me and one from Tracy V. Wilson. They're both good, if I do say so myself. On with the show.
1: Welcome to this day in history class from HowStuffWorks.com and from the desk of Stuff You Missed in History Class. It's the show where we explore the past one day at a time with a quick look at what happened today in history. Hello, and welcome to the podcast. I'm Tracy V. Wilson, and it's November 22nd. Blackbeard died on this day in 1718. That was, of course, the nickname of an infamous pirate named Edward Teach, or perhaps Thatch. That nickname came from his big black beard, which he was reported to accentuate with lit matches or candles. He was probably born in Bristol, England, but like a lot of pirates, his origins and his early life are unclear. He probably got his start at sea as a privateer during Queen Anne's War, which was part of the War of Spanish Succession, shifting to outright piracy once that war was over and there was no military reason for him to be plundering French and Spanish ships anymore. He established a base on the Outer Banks of North Carolina, and his flagship, the Queen Anne's Revenge, had previously been a French slave ship called La Concorde. When he took this ship, he left most of the enslaved people aboard with the captain in a smaller sloop. He kept 61 aboard what became the Queen Anne's Revenge. It seems as though he absorbed these people into his crew rather than considering them to be enslaved. That was often how pirates handled the enslaved people that they captured. They treated them more as crew members than as enslaved workers, His fleet had up to four ships at any given time. They were crewed by as many as 200 men, and they plundered off the coast of North America and in the Caribbean, becoming really notorious. The peak of his piratical activity was from 1716 to 1718 after being mentored by Captain Benjamin Hornigold when he was serving as a member of Hornigold's crew. While the nations whose ships he was targeting feared and deplored him, for the most part, the population of the Carolinas tolerated or even encouraged Blackbeard's piracy off their coast. Local officials were willing to take bribes to look the other way, and his plundering of these other ships meant that the locals were getting duty-free goods that would be a lot more expensive otherwise. So he became something of a folk hero locally. That started to change, though, after he blockaded the port of Charleston in May of 1718 and took hostages that he didn't release until the city paid a huge ransom on them. The Queen Anne's Revenge and another of Blackbeard's ships, The Adventure, both ran aground not long after that, and they were lost. He had to break up a lot of his pirate company at that point and then to try to continue doing what he was doing in a much smaller sloop, Then he was killed in a battle in Ocracoke Inlet just about six months later on November 22nd, 1718. What started out as a naval battle between two ships ended with heavy fighting aboard the sloop of the Royal Navy Lieutenant Robert Maynard. The pirates were lured onto this sloop after what they had thought was a battle that they had won. But it turned out that Maynard and several uninjured men were hidden below decks. That final fight was very bloody, with Blackbeard being shot and struck with swords repeatedly before dying. Maynard returned to Virginia afterward with Blackbeard's head hanging from the bow. His body had been thrown overboard. The wreck of the Queen Anne's Revenge was found in 1996, and extensive underwater archaeological work has been done since then. Huge numbers of artifacts have been brought to the surface for conservation, and in some cases, display. The QAR Conservation Laboratory was dedicated for this purpose in 2004. Thanks to Casey Pegram and Chandler Mays for their audio work on this show. You can subscribe to the Stay in History class on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and wherever else you get your podcasts. And you can tune in tomorrow for an insurrection that lasted for months.
3: From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip.
0: I thought in that moment, oh my God.
1: I'll get you caught up with The Seven every weekday. So follow The Seven right now.
0: Hey, I'm Eves, and you're listening to This Day in History Class, a podcast that proves history is always happening. The day was November 22nd, 1869, 1869. The clipper Cuddy Sark, one of the last T-clippers ever built, was launched in Dumbarton, Scotland. It's one of few 19th-century composite construction clipper ships that survive today. A clipper is a fast-sailing ship with three masts and a square rig. They were merchant ships that were built for speed, and they were popular in the mid-1800s. They had long, narrow hulls, usually made of a composite of wood and iron. They also had sharp bows and a large sail area. Tea clippers were specifically designed to transport tea from China. Trade was competitive and fast-paced, and clippers allowed merchants to cut down delivery time. Being successful in the tea race also afforded owners a sense of prestige. Cutty Sark was built to join the tea trade between Britain and China. John Willis, who headed up a firm of ship owners called Willis and Sons, ordered the construction of Cuddy Sark. He wanted the ship to be the fastest ship in the tea race. Hercules Linton, a partner in the Dumbarton firm of Scott and Linton, designed the ship. The ship was designed to be large and state-of-the-art. But construction on Cuddy Stark came to a halt when Scott and Linton ran out of money. After they went bankrupt, shipbuilders William Denny and brothers, who were Scott and Linton's landlords and the guarantors for the completion of the work on the original contract, took over the project. Captain George Moody was Cuddy Stark's first master. Moody's wife, Janet, christened Cuddy Sark at its launch on November 22, 1869. The ship left London for Shanghai on February 16, 1870, beginning its maiden voyage. The voyage took 104 days. Cuddy Sark was built just before the advent of the steamship. When the Suez Canal opened in 1869, steamships had shorter routes that they could take to China. Tea clippers on the other hand, still had to sail around Africa. So clippers had to turn away from the tea trade, which steamers were dominating. Cuddy Stark began traveling between ports around the world, carrying different cargoes. Eventually, it was used in the wool trade, bringing Australia's main export to Britain. For 10 years, Cuddy Stark held the record for fastest journey from England to Australia. Its fastest journey was its trip between Sydney and London in 73 days, reaching a best-recorded speed of 17.5 knots. By 1895, the ship was no longer making money. A Portuguese company bought it and renamed it Ferreira. It was renamed again in 1922 to Maria do Amparo when another Portuguese company bought it. But when the ship was brought back to Britain that same year, its name was changed back to Sark. In Britain, it became a training ship for cadets in the merchant service and a visitor attraction. The Cuddy Sark Preservation Society was established in 1953, and the ship was installed permanently in a specially constructed dry dock in Greenwich, London. National Historic Ships, the UK body that advises on ship preservation, lists Cuddy Sark as a part of the National Historic Fleet. The ship is still a visitor attraction in Greenwich. I'm Eve Jeffcoat, and hopefully you know a little more about history today than you did yesterday. If you're hungry for more history, you can find us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at TDIHC Podcast. We also accept electronic letters at thisday at iHeartMedia.com. Thanks for listening. We'll see you here again tomorrow with another episode.
2: work.
1: Zumo Play.